This is Perspectives, the show where a conversation about our differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley. As we wind down Women's History Month, I wanted you guys to meet Tanya Hicks. She's the owner of an Atlanta company called Power Solutions. She is a woman succeeding in a male-dominated field. Tanya, thank you so much for being with us today. I really wanted to talk to you and introduce you to our audience when I learned about your outstanding journey. Oh, thank you. It's nice to be here. So Power Solutions is your company. By trade, you are an electrician and now the owner of your, for a number of years now, more than 20, your very own company. I don't suspect you started out with a plan to become an electrical entrepreneur. Oh, no, no. I just wanted to be an industrial electrician and um, and use math all day. But originally when you went to college, because I know you've told me before you're from Mississippi, that was not the original plan. What was your original plan? No, my original plan was I majored in mathematics at um, Central State in Ohio, HBCU. And um, I was told by my um, professor that there weren't many jobs outside of being a teacher doing math because I wanted to work for like the Pentagon, cracking codes and coming up with all kinds of stuff, sort of like the movie Hidden Figures. And um, at the time, he, he said, well, that'll be close to impossible because they don't hire women to do that. And so then you were forced to pivot. What happened? I went home that summer after my sophomore year, I was like devastated. Like, what well, you're trying to think about what other thing I could do um, in mathematics, using mathematics. And I worked on the construction site for the summer. And I saw the industrial electricians at a paper mill um, using math and calculating calculating um, uh, voltages and just different things. And I was this is what I want to do. I, at the time, you know, I was 21. So at the time, I didn't know that it wasn't any women doing it and in, in around my area. And I didn't know how hard, I didn't know how hard it would be. I was really, really young and naive and excited. So then you pivot, you trade, you become, you train, you become an electrician. Yes. Take us from becoming an electrician to owning your own company and breaking through with the success that you've enjoyed here in Atlanta. Well, I graduated from, I was, I was an apprentice in the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, which took five years. And when I um, turned out or graduated, as they say, um, I um, was the first woman in my local to be an electrician. And so I didn't want to stay in my hometown. I wanted to go other places where I was expecting to see a whole lot more women working. And I came to Atlanta to work. And I was in like 98, I came here, I worked, I had a, an amazing um, <clears throat> time as an, you know, just working. I, I was um, the only female to work on when they rebuilt that, um, the fifth runway, the only woman out there working period. And um, and so I, I, I had guys telling me, well, if you're gonna run everybody on the job, you might as well own your own business. And I was like, y'all think so? And I kept thinking about it. And I was like, that's what I'm gonna do. And that's what I set out to do in 2000. And now here we are 21 years later. How was it for you, you know, breaking into what many would consider a male dominated field? It couldn't have been easy. 
it wasn't easy. Uh, it was both as a tradesperson and as a, um, a owner, they're both, I would say, equally hard. Only 2.9% of tradespeople are women. I'm one of 3% of electricians that are, that are uh, women among electricians in the United States. And so it's even less women that own construction firms. Well, black women that own construction firms. It's a lot different. Um, um, also, being uh, African American and being a woman, it's a it's a lot more challenging. Were there ever days when you thought, you know, I'm not going to be able to be successful, or were you just one of these women who, this is what I'm going to do, and I'm not giving up? That's what I think. I'm 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 the latter. Um, when I decide I'm going to do something, it's kind of in my mind. It's pretty much done. And um, just like when I was uh, an apprentice, I was always brave enough to go. And because I wanted it so bad, I was hungry enough to stay. I treated, I acted the same way about my business. I was like, somebody is gonna hire me. Somebody's gonna use me because I knew that I did great work. I knew my team did great work. And um, we capitalized on that. I never, I think for the first 16 years, most people in the industry did not even know I was a woman. And then you decided to put your face on your company. Were there men in the business who helped you along the way or were there more who tried to hinder your progress? I think both, but there were always men that, especially men that had daughters, and um, to, to, you know, that they admired my, um, and my effort. But I, I earned their respect because I knew the work and I could also help them with their, their stuff. I have people, I have men call me all the time about their projects and what to do and how to negotiate and how to fix this and how to fix that. So once you earn their respect, at the end of the day, men want to win and they'll want you on their team. Shout out to all the girl dads out there. Women are often in the community if they're not college you know, there, there, there are many paths for women. Uh, sometimes it's college and you are evidence that sometimes it's not, and you can be equally as successful. Talk to us about how you are paying it forward and teaching women that there is dignity, pride, and success in pursuing a trade. Yes, I have a company called Women Do Everything. Um, and in my Women Do Everything company, we educate, train, and support women in male-dominated industries. And also to help women get into higher paying technical careers, um, not just construction, but also manufacturing, transportation, and agriculture. We focus on the um, industries that have less than 10% of female um, participation in the technical careers to get more skilled labor. So then I would assume you're working with the folks out at Atlanta Technical College? Yeah, we will. We, you started our conversations with that. And um, because only like last year, I decided to, you know, to expand it. Um, I kind of had been bootstrapping it myself and I decided to um, turn it into a foundation so I could help even more, um, even more women and girls, not just girls or not just people looking for a career, but even if you want to um, during this time, a lot of people have been laid off. So I want to encourage as many women as I can to look into the more essential jobs. And those are technical careers as well. And then we make them get the most. They, it's usually over 
um, $20 an hour as a skilled trade. Um, an industrial electrician makes around $80,000 or more a year. Tanya, there's great emphasis in our schools with our students on STEM education, science, technology, engineering, and math. Clearly, you were STEM before STEM was a thing. What's your message for dads, moms, women, and girls going forward? Well, um, I think we should, uh, we should communicate to our young people that it's a myth that girls and minorities have issues learning math or science. That's totally not true. They just need to be exposed. And I would also encourage um, parents to live a more, live more with technology, whether it's AI through, you know, Google Home or Alexa or Siri, but live, identify more things that you can do in your lifestyle to kind of spark that interest. Um, I used to do a lot of, um, a lot of experiments from YouTube with my son at, that's 14 now that wants to be uh, studying to be an engineer. He's already studying to be an engineer, but it's because of the things that I exposed him to from real robotics um, to just allowing him to explore on what to do, even on how to design his own video game. I think we need to explore them, expose them to, to, to more and allow them to explore. Tanya, is there anything else you'd like for our audience to know about the opportunities that exist for people in your field? Oh, yes. Um, and, you know, you could, there are apprenticeships. There are also, I, I think, the, I, I didn't point this, but they call them returnships, where people are returning um, to uh, the workforce just with a different, with a different industry. And also, I think we should, um, in my industry, I encourage us to cross-market ourselves. Um, so if you're in IT or if in any technical field, I feel like all industries are, 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 um, are IT-based and technical. Or, um, and I really feel like we need to explore, if you are an IT professional as a woman, you should explore agriculture technology or even be an electrician. Everything now uses technology. And so I would encourage people to, even if you're in trans transportation, looking into autonomous vehicles and things, um, any type of renewable energy, we need more women and minorities in the jobs for the future. Tanya Hicks, you are a hidden figure no more. Congratulations on your success. And thank, thank you. you so much for spending some time with us today. Thank you. My next guest is Jenna Baugh. She's the Vice President of Strategic Impact with the United Way of Greater Atlanta. This month, the United Way launched its 21-day Racial Equity Challenge. Jenna, thanks for being with us. Explain this 21-day Racial Equity Challenge to our audience. It's an opportunity to learn. And just like lots of things that we take on that we want to learn and grow in, 21 days is an opportunity for us to do that step-by-step step and to really get informed and be together in our progress towards racial equity. And so our United Way is doing this as a way to build awareness. And people sign up, you get an email, and in that email, there are resources like videos or podcasts, and it'll give you some insights um, about different topics related to racial equity. Tell me who's signing up. Who is this for? This is for everyone. We're really excited about who's participating. The age range is everything from 16 to 90. Um, so certainly encouraging your teens to be involved, 
It's people who are civic minded, who care about the community. It's people who have been kind of overwhelmed by the news cycle of things and not sure how to process information. So we're also building community. The idea of whatever you are doing, wherever you are in your journey, this is an opportunity to connect with leaders, to get a little history about Atlanta, to learn more about what it means to be an ally. So we're excited about the diversity of who's participating and the different roles that people play. And exactly what are you asking people to do? So we're asking you to sign up. Uh, you go to the website, racial equity at unitedwayatlanta.org and you put in your email address and then you join us. You'll be sent the emails on a regular basis, couple a week, uh, try not to overwhelm people. And then we'd also invite you to be a part of the Facebook group and come to some of the virtual events because we know that in any journey you need support in any challenge when you wanna grow, you're gonna to wanna to connect with people. Um, there might be something that you read that really strikes you. There might be a topic that's sensitive. Um, and so this way of connecting helps us grow together. What's happening at some of these virtual events? So we're excited about doing a couple of things, especially our partnership with Community Build Ventures. The idea is getting together in a virtual space, certainly with people that you may not have ever met before. You're talking about the different topics, whether that is the history of race in Atlanta and how the highways were set up, whether you're talking about your own experiences. But in that virtual setting, we're going to create space for people to have different feelings. Uh, you and I might not have the same perspective, but we can respect each other. I can also share and heal. Um, some of the topics around racism are very hurtful. Um, I know I carry that and I appreciate the space to be with people who wanna help heal. We've gotta do that as part of how we grow as a community. So hour and a half, you're together, you have small group discussions. We're also gonna have some opportunity for people to be in caucuses. Maybe there's some topics that you wanna talk about with just women or talk about just with um, other Black leaders. Um, so we're going to create some of those different opportunities in the discussions. How many people do we have participating uh, at this point? At this point, we're excited to have more than 4,200 people participating all across our 13-county region. Uh, we've even got around 300 people that are outside of the metro area. I mean, people as far reaching as San Jose and people in Macon and folks in Maine. So we always say to people, it's for... Um, those who live here, those who used to live here, those who love Atlanta, join us. You know, bring the women in your life um, to be a part of this conversation because it's a topic that matters to you. Bring your study group or your football team and say, look, we're in this together. We want to grow when it comes to racial equity. How are you holding people accountable to stick with it for the entire 21 days? <laughs> so we're, we're thinking of it more as nudges and encouragement along the way. Uh, let's say you've got a pile up of emails come Friday, you'll get another note from us. It could be in the form of a Facebook post. It could be a note from one of our teammates that says, hey, Condis is everything okay? Just checking on you, make sure you're still enjoying the challenge, anything you wanna talk about. So we're certainly doing that. And people also do a survey upfront and make their own commitments. So when you commit to something, reminding you of your commitment is another great way to just continue to nudge people along. And we know you're busy. I say, get right back in the lane. You missed three days, no big deal. Come on back, we're still here for you. Considering the tragedy that happened in our city last Tuesday, it would appear that there is a need for increased awareness and improved education amongst everyone in the community. That's definitely the case. For us at United Way, 
being united is also about appreciating diversity. So we know how important it is to see people, uh, to respect where they're coming from, and to really appreciate their different roles in the community. And I'm excited about some of the things. One of the pieces that we shared um, a couple of days ago in the challenge was about the diversity of Atlanta. And we have to see each other. I mean, that's just such a vital part of the healing that needs to happen, recognizing the humanity, recognizing the aspirations that we actually share. We have so much in common. So we, we take this stance um, together with Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders saying, we've got to stop racism. We can shift our ideology. We can start to heal. Um, and that really is one person at a time. A key initiative of the United Way is the Child Well-Being Initiative to improve the lives of children in our community. How mm -hmm. does this racial equity 21-day challenge tie into that? Well, it is a huge piece of how we build awareness. You are not going to see improved child well-being um, if you don't look at race. When we started looking at the data around child well-being, we layered on indicators around children for education, we looked at children's health, but we also said, look, children don't thrive if their families don't thrive. So we also looked at data around family financial security, as well as uh, education levels for adults. And then we know that families don't thrive unless the community around them thrives. So when you look at the world through the eyes of children, you can improve that, but you've got to also see that there are different outcomes depending on race. So in Atlanta, Race is a predictor for your outcomes, more so than your talent and skills. Zip code is another one that is a bigger predictor for your outcomes in life as a child over lots of other factors. So we're trying to put these pieces together. Um, and, and I think about it this way. If you want to see things improve, not just for your children, but for all children in Atlanta, we've got to understand the history. We don't want to just put a Band-Aid on things. We want to get to the root cause. So the racial equity challenge gives us the insights about policies. It gives us the insights about the history of our region and helps us build a much stronger community. This also speaks to housing inequities that exist in Metro Atlanta. Yes, uh, certainly a topic that has been in the news a lot. And one of the pieces that was really valuable um, for me, grew up here, but didn't know about all the ins and outs. Housing redlining is really a federal policy that was in place that put a red mark around black neighborhoods and said, no, we can't invest there. They wouldn't secure loans. Businesses couldn't get loans to do development in those neighborhoods. Individual people were pushed out. If you were desiring to be a homeowner right after World War II, um, black man coming back from the war, you, you weren't gonna be able to get that loan for the neighborhood that you love and cared about. Um, but it's also things like the Peyton Wall that Atlanta specifically had leaders that put up a barrier between the neighborhoods that blocked the road between a black neighborhood and a white neighborhood. So we've got to understand that history as we want to really think about affordable housing today and the diversity that we want and how strong people can be when it comes to housing. Uh, so super important, understand the root cause, connect it back to some of the services that we're talking about even right now with people with COVID and having housing security. All of that is interwoven. Jenna Baugh with United Way of Greater Atlanta. Our community, our country is clearly very divided on a number of issues. While you're working to raise an awareness in the area of racial equity, how do you communicate this message perhaps to an audience that might not be interested in hearing it? So I would first say we're neighbors. We're all here 
and we have a shared success. That when we unite, we are a lot stronger and we appreciate that there are some things that I might not have learned in school uh, that I wanna explore. And so the racial equity challenge is an opportunity for you to first digest by yourself and then you opt in. Um, the discussions, the connections, it's really a chance to opt in and start where you are. There's no way to be perfect. None of us are perfect when it comes to race. None of us are perfect when it comes to raising our kids or being uh, great leaders. And so the same thing is true when it comes to conversations about race. You simply enter where you are and join us. What will success look like to the United Way at the end of this 21 days? So we're hoping for the awareness uh, to build and to have that great energy among a group of leaders. Uh, you can't get to everybody, but we love this notion of a small set of folks united together. That is really the way forward. And so if we can build that awareness uh, and get people thinking a little differently, looking at the history, then we'll be a great catalyst for more changes to come. So this has been more than an initiative for individuals to opt in, although that's what you want. You've reached out and you have companies that are working with you to educate their employee base. Yes, it's so exciting. There are a lot of people that are joining us in this, companies like Accenture and Coca-Cola and Assurant. Um, we've got different organizations that said, look, it's important to how we operate in our business. And so we love having them to be part of the conversation. They've got large groups of employees participating. Gwinnett County School System has been a huge partner. Um, we've got chambers that are doing it with us locally in Clayton County and others. So it's been extremely exciting to see them take this on and say, it's not just going to be um, a statement on our website. Uh, we're gonna make sure our staff are informed. We're gonna make sure our board are informed. And so they're doing this uh, 21 day challenge together. And Jenna, we're a few days into the challenge. It's 21 days in total, not necessarily from start to finish. So is there still time for people and for companies to opt in? Yes, please opt in. It's a really great thing. Like I said, it's, it's kind of like a wonderful river. You jump in wherever you fit in. Uh, it's not too far along. We'll have some of those engagement events coming up in April. So the challenge will keep going. The other wonderful thing is once you're part of this networking group of people that are doing the 21 day challenge, you'll have access to the days you might've missed. So you're not gonna be left out. You'll be part of a really great group. And uh, yeah, please join us. And at the end, if there is an end, how do you report out to the community what people have learned, how people are going to be more engaged, how you're going to move that needle to create change. So we're excited about using our social media platforms and some of the basic reporting tools. We're definitely going to have more resources on our website about who's participated, you know, things like a map, we'll have quotes. We've already had a couple of people ask us right away, do you have something that I can share? So we'll definitely be sharing out both in themes and also some specifics from people because there's a lot of energy that is building and we want people to know that there is um, a lot more together that people want to do than the divisiveness. So we're excited about sharing that out and that'll probably be in late May. Is there anything else you wanted to share? Anything you think it's important for our audience to know? Uh, I think the last piece I would say is that our mind and our thoughts are part of how we lead to better actions. So just as much as people wanna jump in and do something, we offer this as an opportunity. 
start by being really informed. You wouldn't show up to build a house and just say, yep, I know exactly what to do. You'd stop, you make sure you know how to use the tools. You'd ask, what's the blueprint for this? So in the same way that we wanna make change around racial equity, and we know it's a journey, um, get equipped with the right tools, inform yourself and become part of the conversation. Jenna Baugh, the VP for Strategy at the United Way of Greater Atlanta. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Candice. Perspectives is a community and public affairs program crafted with you in mind. If there's a guest you'd like to hear interviewed or a perspective you think should be explored, let me know. If you're old school, just write me. 1601 West Peachtree Street, Northeast, Atlanta, Georgia, 30309. Or message me via social media. I'm Condos Presley on Facebook, Condo29 on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for listening. Be sure to listen again next week at this very same time as we examine another perspective. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.